the bottom line here is there are ways to manage and control anything that we consume, anything that is going to affect our body and our wellness and even our happiness because we know alcohol will do that. It's a double-edged sword. If you take nothing away from this episode, I just want to impart my experience so that you may also have awareness in your own life and be able to make the decisions that work for you and that support you. Because again, nobody is more important than you. No one is going to take care of you more than you. It's our responsibility to look out for ourselves. This ain't no game show. This is life. I am the incognito athlete, and I have so much to gain by losing 100 pounds. Are you with me? Let's do this. Hey there, it's time for another episode of the incognito athlete podcast. This is Erica, and I am the incognito athlete. Maybe you are too. You ever think about that? (laughs) I am just thrilled that you're here today for this episode. Um, If you are joining me for the first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is going to be a very interesting deep dive and let's just go ahead and say it, a vulnerable episode talking about booze, okay? Alcohol is so prevalent in the American culture and it is a massive contributor to a lot of people's struggles with weight loss, which is exactly why I want to talk about it today. Why? Again, this this podcast is all about my 100-pound journey. I am documenting my progress in order to share with you healthy, sustainable methods that are working for me. This includes mindset lessons, fitness tips, and nutritional discoveries that I find along the way. Now, today's episode is is less of a checklist of what you might learn or take away, but rather just a diary entry. What I'm looking to do here is share a little bit of my experiences and my tumultuous relationship with alcohol in order to reach any of you who might share in some of these experiences. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now that There's going to be a little bit of a surprise discovery at the end. And I also do have a couple fun tips that I'll wrap up this episode with. As you may know, I am doing the 75 hard challenge, which omits alcohol from my diet completely for 75 days. This critical task and requirement is definitely a primary reason for me wanting to talk about it with you today. So there's no better way to start off a diary entry than with a story. So once upon a time, I was a young 20-something, and I was fortunate enough to be invited to uh, a few weddings that summer. It just so happened, in fact, that two of the weddings were on the very same weekend, one a Friday night and one a Saturday night wedding. The only problem is they were about... mm, four hours away from each other. (laughs) And despite the fact that I was attending one of the weddings with my boyfriend, I decided to go to the other with one of my male friends from college. That's just how I rolled. You know, I was cool with everybody. Now these two weddings could not be more different. 
Wedding number one was in New York, upstate New York, at a beautiful castle. Heck yeah, I was down for that wedding. Wedding number two was held in the countryside, the deep countryside, in the land of the Quakers, to be exact. Are you catching my drift here? So I went with my friend up to the wedding in New York, drove up there, and I really didn't know what I was in for. Um, I'm a country girl myself, and so I didn't really grow up with a lot of lavish things. So I attended this wedding. I really want to say it was a Catholic wedding, so it was a pretty long affair. And then they put us all on shuttle buses to take us to the reception, which, as I said, was at this castle. So we're pulling up which to what I believe was one of the Finger Lakes in New York to this beautiful estate. And I felt totally out of place. I mean, I knew the groom and the guy I went with, <laughs> and that was it. But what I did know is that I was in for a treat. I was so excited about the beautiful meal that we were going to have. And I was equally excited about the open bar. At this point in my life, I was probably maybe just 21 or 22 years old. So drinking was pretty new to me and I was happy to get down with it. So was my date. He decided that he would enjoy his favorite beer, Coors Light. And every time he got himself another beer, he would grab me my drink of choice for the night, which was an apple teeny. <laughs> the two are really not comparable drinks. Not, not, not at all. But what the heck did I care? I mean, had I ever, ever had an apple teeny before? I just felt so fancy. What you don't know about my friend is that he was a beer drinker through and through. So he would pound these things like he was throwing back soda or water. So I enjoyed many an apple teeny that night. By the time the reception was over, I was, number one, disappointed that the party was over. And number two, pretty darn toasted. So at that point, we all were shepherded out the door, um, each handed a bottle of wine, uh, which was pretty cool, and uh, sent back on the shuttle bus. At that point in the evening, I was pretty excited that I was able to sober up on the bus because I was so, like, I was feeling the spins already. And by the time we got back to the hotel, I realized that the friends that I was with were also not excited that the party was over. All of a sudden, bottles of vodka, tequila, and more beer were cracked open. Heck yes, I want to join in the fun. Heck yes, I want to be included. Pour me another shot, bartender. I can't tell you how many shots of tequila I did. All I know is I woke up feeling absolutely miserable the next morning. I couldn't move. I thought I'd be sick if I moved. What's the time? I asked. Oh no, it was already pushing noon and I had another wedding to go to with my boyfriend. Boy, was he going to be pissed. So I got my act together the best that I could. Although I was desperate to hit the road, I thought maybe I should go ahead and try to get something to eat. Usually some greasy food would make me feel better. Prior to this trip, my friend and I had gotten so excited about being able to go get a Pazone at Pizza Hut. <laughs> they had been discontinued for so long and they were back. So we went to Pizza Hut and I couldn't even look 
at the food, much less order anything. I sat there politely and then scurried out of there as quickly as I could so I could hit the road. I was so hungover, I couldn't help keep thinking and wondering and playing through my head what was going to happen if I didn't make it there on time. My boyfriend was waiting at the house for me. I couldn't imagine the kind of fury (laughs) that I was going to be met with. He wasn't really an angry person, but he would like not talk to me, which is the worst. It's almost worse than being yelled at. As all of this was playing over and over and over in my mind, I passed my exit. I must have went like 10 plus miles past where I was supposed to turn to head south and leave the state of New York. By the time I realized this, I probably added another 30 minutes or more to my drive. Okay, so now I was really facing some fury. I got home as quickly as possible. I had about 20 minutes to get changed, and I did so in record time. I emerged from the bathroom with my hands in the air. See, I did it! My boyfriend was not amused. So we hopped in his car, and we headed to wedding number two. Driving along, driving along, I'm thinking, oh my God, like, is this day ever going to be over? I was just hoping that maybe I would be able to have something for dinner because at this point I hadn't eaten anything yet. We get to the country. Then we get to the farms. Then we turn down this dirt path and we're bumping left and right, up and down and back and forth in the car. And I'm just holding my breath, (laughs) praying I don't throw up everywhere. (laughs) And we finally reach... The site, it was on their family farm where they had pitched a a few large canopy tents. Beyond those tents, they were roasting a pig for dinner and set up a buffet of picnic food. Beyond that, they had dumped tons of sand in the yard to simulate a beach wedding, which was donned with nothing else but a tiki stand where we could get drinks. Yep, open bar again. Oh, I plastered a smile on my face and hoped that nobody would notice that my eyes were glassy (laughs) or maybe that my hands were shaking and sat down at the table deciding my next move. I figured, let's go ahead and get a plate and see what we can do. I don't know if it was the smell of the food or if it was just the time of the day, but I finally started to feel better. So I loaded up my plate and enjoyed what I could. Not soon after... The bridal party was making an announcement for all of the attendees. Jello shots were being served. So can you believe this? I've gone from apple teenies now to jello shots. Do you think I learned my lesson from the night before? No, not at all. Yes, please, I would like a jello shot. How about two? How about three? There's something about being in your 20s that makes you invincible. Unfortunately, we don't really realize it at the time that that's short-lived or that it's completely awful for us and although that night ended with a lot of dancing and fun and a whole lot less sickness on my part I can't help but look back on that weekend and say to myself WTF Erica (laughs) what question I want to pose is why why did I go to those lengths why did I drink so much I hinted at it a little bit in the middle of my story acceptance was very important to me. I needed to be included and to be liked. Based on what I had observed from my peers too at that time, 
is drinking was cool. And the more you could drink, the more you could stomach, the cooler you were. What a stupid, stupid thing. (laughs) But I know that that's not the only thing going on here. I could actually go back to my childhood. There are roots in my childhood that come from alcohol. My aunt and uncle owned a winery, which we would visit frequently. I thought it was so amazing that they had this vineyard and that they made wine. In fact, I knew more about wine when I was eight years old than most adults do. I really prided myself on that. I'm not really sure why, but I guess I thought it was cool because the adults thought it was cool. I even remember later on as I got a little bit older that my dad taught me how to make a white Russian. So instead of him making his own drink, I would go make it for him. Again, I thought that was really cool because I was doing something for my dad and I was doing something that adults do. In fact, I would even go so far as to play behind the bar, never drinking the alcohol, never touching it. I would pretend to make my own cocktails. I made one up that I called the Sunrise, and it was with Sprite, Grenadine, cherries, and orange juice. I couldn't have been more than like 10 or 12 years old. (laughs) You know, looking at that, I can see where there was some sort of normalcy and acceptance to alcohol that was established really early on in my life. Now, despite that, I was extremely resistant to drinking until I was old enough. That seems a little bit contradictory, but I really believe that that comes from wanting the acceptance and approval of my parents. So although alcohol was made normal for me, like commonplace that is, I knew that they wouldn't tolerate or approve of me drinking when I wasn't of age. I will tell you though, when I did become of age, I definitely took advantage of it. The older I've gotten, the more I understand that people do things to get a reward, a result out of it. And so in drinking, I had fun times. I was invited to parties. I was included. I was able to be flirtatious and have fun and get to know guys, make new girlfriends, all of those things. And that was stuff that I totally missed out on in high school. In fact, sometimes I even felt ostracized in high school because I didn't partake in those kinds of things. I've told you how much I love talking to strangers. That's one of the coolest things that I've ever gained from from drinking at a bar is being able to talk to strangers and get into some deep conversations. So you know, even on a more intellectual level, I was, you know, meeting people talking about things. And it was fostering a social element in my life, especially in times when I didn't really have much of a social life, especially when I was moving to new locations. And then later in life too, when I was in some less than ideal relationships, alcohol really helped me to escape. I was able to forget about real life, about the pain that I was feeling, the loneliness, the dissatisfaction, the lack of fulfillment, the lack of love. Alcohol helped me to feel happy, even if just momentarily. Sometimes I would even get giggly and I didn't have to worry about my overdue bills. In fact, there were Friday nights when I was by myself and coping with some some issues in my relationship where I felt immense sadness like all work week long. I'm busy being productive, talking with people, collaborating with people. Everybody else was so excited for the weekend to have their free time and be with their people. I had nothing. I had no one. 
So every Friday night I would drive home. It was a very sad feeling. I was going home to an empty house. I didn't have any friends. This was um, not long after I moved to Georgia and, and to the area where I live now. So I would always navigate to the convenience store. I'd buy one of those giant bottles of wine. I'd get a giant bag of Lay's potato chips. Wavy was always preferable. And then a bag or two of gummy bears. These were my friends at the time. That numbing feeling of being drunk allowed me to forget about my woes for just a few hours, at least until I passed out and the next day came. The crazy thing about alcohol is it is a depressant. So at least one day after drinking, I was usually pretty down at the mouth. I would feel moody, um, definitely on the sad side, but almost times 10. So even though it helped me to feel happier for a short time, I usually felt like 10 times worse the next day. Just like super melancholy, didn't want to get out of bed, leave the covers kind of feeling. And at this point, I'm starting to feel like I just didn't deserve to be happy. This really went on for a very long time. In 2017, that's when I found CrossFit. And I will mark that as the beginning of my wellness journey. That was a long time ago already. It's kind of hard to believe it. Although that's when I really started to focus on my wellness and I found a type of exercise that I really loved. I was still definitely very abusive to myself with alcohol. Um, really, man, it, it didn't, it didn't end soon thereafter. Um, even after I found my true love in Frank, I carried on some of these same habits. And at this point, I think that's really what they were. I think they were habits. Coming home from work, if it was a little bit of a stressful day, I had to make a drink. Actually, I think I was making a drink every day. You know, I would still go buy alcohol every Friday and, you know, and drink, even though I was feeling better about life. I was in a healthy relationship and a healthy household. You know, whenever we would go out to dinner, there would be time spent at the bar before, after, maybe both. And I mean, there were even some times where that would linger into to Sunday. I just couldn't let the weekend go. That's when I was able to cut loose and relax. I think the other thing too is, you know, Frank and I were in love and enjoying each other. And we were just trying to have a good time in the ways that we knew, which was simply what we did in our, in our 20s. So, you know, drinking, listening to music, going to the bar. That's all that we knew. We didn't know anything else to be normal or healthy. So at this point, I've really summed up about 10 years of my life in, you know, 20 minutes or so. Those 10 years, 10 plus years were really not easy whatsoever. I made a lot of choices that kept me in a place that perpetuated my feelings of worthlessness and insignificance. And although I was not perfect, and although I made mistakes, it was really a turning point in 2020 that changed things for me. It was not something that I did or that I chose, but rather what happened to me. My husband and I were faced with a highly intoxicated person the night before our wedding. I can only describe it as being a disaster. 
My immediate response was to remedy the situation and involve myself, but I wish I never had. At the time, it felt like the right thing to do. What I didn't reason in that moment is that nobody can actually reason with a drunk person. We were totally losing while striving to fix the situation. He was outside in my front lawn, yelling, crying, screaming, being totally belligerent, wandered into my yard, passed out in the lawn. There was really nothing that I could do. So we called the authorities. Then I found myself yelling, crying in my own driveway. I just couldn't believe the situation and I was at a total loss for what was going on. I'd lost my cool over this person who I had trusted, which makes me ill to think about because he's the one that lost control of himself. We were finally able to get him out the door and on his way. My heart was broken, though, as I was scrambling to get my vows printed at midnight for the next day, my wedding. I was so put out because I had let him take over the better part of my night. I gave that away to someone who didn't deserve it. I figured I would get about six hours of sleep and that was good enough for me. So we went to bed. After finally getting to sleep and getting a few hours in, I was awoken in the middle of the night. My dogs were barking. What the heck? They never bark in the middle of the night. They never bark unless they feel threatened. <sighs> Frank was still sleeping and I was scrambling to find my glasses. I was reaching around in the dark trying to find some pants. I had just gone to sleep in my, my gotchies and t-shirt. And I went downstairs only to find this same individual standing in the doorway of my back porch. His looming figure brought back terrible memories of me having to protect myself in the past. It was both terrifying and infuriating. A fire ignited in me. I can't describe it any other way. I didn't care that I was half naked. I charged outside and cursed him. I hate you. I hate you. I cried and I screamed and told him to leave and get away from me. He finally acquiesced and left the deck. And what I've experienced next, I can only describe as an anxiety attack. I couldn't breathe. I was hyperventilating and I could not stop crying. Why? Why was all of this happening? Because of alcohol. I think the worst part of it all, despite my desperate sadness, the people around me expected me to move on, to let it go, to forgive, to have compassion. When I had been the one who was wronged, when all I wanted was to celebrate finally finding somebody who saw worth in me that I'd pretty much never seen in myself. The actions and reactions of this entire situation bled into the next day. And I did everything I could to make it a beautiful and cheerful day, despite what other people felt about me. So many relationships deteriorated that day. And it all goes back to alcohol. It could be argued that it was you know, this person being right and this person being wrong and those kinds of things. But when it all comes down to it, we all have different boundaries around alcohol. 
interesting fact, I learned later that this same individual not only got completely blitzed at my house and drank an entire bottle of whiskey, he decided in the middle of the party to take the keys and drive to the liquor store to buy yet another bottle of whiskey, which he at least put a really good dent in that night. That helps give you a sense of the kind of behavior, decision, and person that I was faced with. I'm not saying I never made a mistake and I never went too far, but this was way beyond anything that was okay with me. There are literally state laws in place that assign blame to the provider of alcohol whenever a crime takes place that involves an intoxicated person, and Georgia is one of them. This experience really got me thinking about our choices and how powerful our choices can impact other people as well. The impact of this person's choice has branded my wedding with awful memories and even worse outcomes. I'd love to tell you that I was able to move on from this quickly, but what I did is I engaged in intense self-development work to overcome all of the internal turmoil, self-doubt, and self-sabotaging feelings and behaviors that I had. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but both Frank and I coped with food and alcohol quite a bit. Even at the time of my wedding, I was still overweight, but I, I must have gained at least a good 30 pounds just eating and eating and eating whatever I wanted because it was one of the only ways that I knew how to deal with my emotions. It was a quick fix for not feeling sad. Same with alcohol. The sooner I could get some whiskey in my system, the sooner that I could take the edge off and I wouldn't feel the pain. Folks, this is not a healthy way to live. And what's even worse is this is all because of somebody else's actions and somebody else's words. Through my self-development work, I learned that we are in charge of our own thoughts and actions. So in no way do I blame reaching almost 280 pounds on this individual or any of the other turmoil that came from the night, from the weekend of my wedding. Those were, again, were all of my choices. And what I didn't have were the tools to manage through it instead of coping through food and booze. And I am eternally grateful for all of that work that I put in. I'm so proud of myself that I didn't hide and that I didn't let that perpetuate if I hadn't done the work, if I hadn't used the tools, if I hadn't fought through all of that, I would not be sitting here today. I would probably not still be married. I probably would have ruined my relationship. I don't know what I'd be doing. I probably would have ruined my own life. And so now in doing all of this work, I've come to realize how impactful our words actions and even inactions can affect other people and that's completely exacerbated when alcohol comes into play. I've wanted to share this story with you for a long time and it only felt appropriate to do so now. Now that I'm here on day 40 of 75 hard, 
I wanted to give you a glimpse into my story so that you could find some nugget of hope or inspiration to set some self-care boundaries for yourself, whether it is with alcohol or other foods like chips, ice cream, you know, and the things that make us feel good for a moment. So here on day 40, 40 days without alcohol, I'm really impressed and proud to say that I don't miss it. Not one bit, not one ounce. Why? Because I am truly happy. I've gotten the reward that I wanted and not from drinking. I have a healthy relationship with a man who loves me and is kind and sensitive and who is somebody that I want to be like. I look up to him. I've built a safe home where I can come home every day and know that I'm going to be welcomed with open arms. I've surrounded myself with people who love me and don't judge me and don't hold me to high standards. They allow me to to grow and fail and ask questions and to inspire. They're kind. I don't wake up anymore with brain fog and dry skin. I don't wake up in the middle of the night anymore with my heart pounding or with the spins. My stomach is happier. My digestion is on point. I'm energized and eager every single freaking day. I wake up excited to live. For someone who used to wake up uttering the F word because I just couldn't muster getting out of bed, I feel like I've really come a long way and achieved my goal to manage my emotions and boundaries to really be a happy, healthy person. 75 hard has been good for me in a lot of different ways. But one really major way is really the lack of alcohol. No glass of wine, no ounce of whiskey is going to do anything for me that I can't get from hugging my husband and squeezing the kiddos. There's just no comparison. And on top of that, I feel really powerful. It's an incredible and almost indescribable feeling to not be itching for a shot or dying to drown my emotions. Now that I've lived it and grown from all of it, I can say with certainty that freedom from unhealthy food and alcohol habits is possible. One other insight I do want to offer is that this is not an overnight thing. In fact, the journey that Frank and I took to get to this point lasted, let's see, a year and a half or so. It really started with us just being aware of the lack of nutritional value that came from drinking alcohol. So we sought out alternatives that at least would cut back on the calories and sugar. So we were drinking Fitvine wine and Michelob Ultra, you know, light beer, things like that. So we were still getting our fix, I suppose, as far as, you know, the alcohol was concerned, but we were doing it from a, quote, healthier way, at least in our minds. We cut back on the syrupy drinks and started drinking Yeah Boys, uh, Chris Jericho's favorite beverage and really mine too, which is just vodka and water. We were able to rationalize doing this and it served us well in that time. And the thing is, cutting alcohol out of your diet completely does not have to happen. 
no one is a bad person for wanting to drink alcohol. I'm not going to say that I'm going to abstain from alcohol for the rest of my life. I just really see it differently now. I see it as something that doesn't always serve me and that I also acknowledge that I have not had a healthy relationship with alcohol for most of my life. And so I can really kind of look at that as a behavior that could lead to other unhealthy behaviors or excess. You know what I mean? So, you know, I do encourage you to look at your current relationship with alcohol and if it's serving you with your wellness journey, if it's something that you think would benefit from calling a time out on. It's kind of interesting in doing the 75 hard challenge, Frank really was not looking forward to giving up the beer. And it's not so much like the buzz and and like the drinking part, but it's like the mowing the lawn and having a beer sort of thing. (laughs) And so he actually came upon Athletic Brewing, a brewery that's endorsed by CrossFit legend Matt Fraser, and they produce nothing but non-alcoholic beer. We happen to find it here locally. And it's really delicious. So if you just like the taste of beer and you want to be able to have, you know, a frosty mug after a day doing lawn work, it's kind of a cool alternative. Laugh at me if you want. But I also want to tell you that just engaging in the activity of making a beverage pretty much appeases me. So what do I mean by this? I'm not as big of a beer person as he is. I'm more of a cocktail person. So I have my fancy glass, which is a stemless wine glass. And what I do is I prepare it with my favorite seltzer water, flavored seltzer water with ice and maybe some fruit. Drinking from that is almost like a simulation of a cocktail. Just holding that glass does it for me. Don't knock it till you try it. (laughs) The bottom line here is there are ways to manage and control anything that we consume, anything that is going to affect our body and our wellness and even our happiness because we know alcohol will do that. It's a double-edged sword. If you take nothing away from this episode, I just want to impart my experience so that you may also have awareness in your own life and be able to make the decisions that work for you and that support you. Because again, nobody is more important than you. No one is going to take care of you more than you. It's our responsibility to look out for ourselves. Good people, I want to thank you so very much. I'm not going to give you a weekly weigh-in this week because you know what? It just doesn't freaking matter. I'm on a mission. I'm consistent and I'm doing so much good for myself that Erica from three, four, five, ten years ago, man, she is really proud. If there's anything that I can do to support you and answer some questions, I certainly welcome you to contact me and reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at incognito.athlete. Alcoholism is a very serious issue. If you or someone that you love is demonstrating symptoms of alcoholism or alcohol abuse in any way, I encourage you to seek assistance and support. There's no weakness in reaching out for information and help when it comes to defending your own personal wellness. Editing note. While producing this episode, I actually... (laughs) 
was faced with yet another situation that was induced by alcohol. It's kind of funny how life happens that way. The topic is top of mind for me and then all of a sudden it's surfacing in my world. It's almost like I knew it was going to happen. And I feel like that just reinforces the fact that I need to publish this episode. For four long hours last night, I was bombarded with text messages, totally unprovoked, out of the blue, with no initiation on my part and no response on my part. Why? Because you can't reason with it. What the hell happened to you? You got hooked up with the wrong people. Who are you? Go to church. Don't even reply. Your responses are meaningless. You'll never see a dime of my money, bitch. Have you no compassion? Please find a church. Listen, take heed. Put the beasts behind you. Follow the flock. These are the words that I received even after I went to sleep. I want to be very clear with you right now. I may not know you and you don't know me. But what I do know is nobody deserves this especially when it's unprovoked. It saddens me that this kind of behavior still exists in my world. So all I'm doing is my best to manage it and to not internalize it. If you experience this kind of verbal abuse from anybody in your life, again, I also encourage you to look for support. One person who has really helped me is Lisa A. Romano. She provides the psychological insights and coaching guidance to manage this kind of narcissism, manipulation, gaslighting, and let's just call it what it is, meanness. (laughs) I share this with you to let you know that things are not always going to be perfect. Things are not perfect for me. I don't even think that a state of perfection is really real. Yet we can find peace within ourselves and within our hearts that we're doing everything that we can to be good people, good individuals. And with that, I wish you a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to me. I'm very humbled that you are here to hear my story today. Let's own our truth and our strength by starting or completing our day with gratitude in our hearts, grace for ourselves and the grit to go after everything that we want in life. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks again.